Welcome to the official podcast of Vertical Life Church. We are a non-denominational church located in Clio, Michigan. We exist to engage people where they are and lead them to becoming fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. We hope you are drawn into a deeper relationship with God through this podcast and pray that through the sermons you've listened to here, your faith would grow. We are always excited to hear from those who are impacted by this ministry. And we encourage you to email us at contact at vlchurch.tv to share how God is using this ministry in your life. If you would like to support this ministry, you can do so online at www.vlchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you for listening. I just want us to sit in this feeling for just a moment. We're not going to run the promo for the message. You know, it's more lighthearted. And I just think when, I don't know about you, but I feel like the Spirit of God is in this place that He's doing something. There's a weight on me right now. And that there's somebody here who needs to know you have a daddy who will never leave you or forsake you. You have a father who will never fail. His love is good and he is always kind. When the Spirit of God is moving, when he's working, it's remiss of us to just kind of go about business as usual. Right now, I just speak to the one here who walked in today, who is feeling like they've been abandoned, that they're alone, that they're holding on by a thread, that they feel unworthy, they feel like there's nowhere to run or no one to turn to, you know who you are. I just feel like God is telling me right now to tell you to look up. Because there is one who loves you more than you can possibly understand. With a love that knows no end. And today that God, that Father, wants to change your life. Father, just as been prayed before, God, we just sit in this right now. Holy Spirit, we gather together in the name of Jesus. And we just open our eyes, our hearts, and our ears to you right now, God. Psalm 22 says, The worship of God is the very dwelling place of the Almighty, that you inhabit the praises of your people. So as we've lifted your name and praise, God, we ask that you would fill this room, fill this space, fill our hearts, God. Let your presence be made known. Let us feel the weight of your glory. Let our innermost thoughts and feelings, pains, and burdens be exposed. Let it be drawn out to the light so that the glory of the Lord Most High can make all things new. God, we are here to meet with you. We are your sons and daughters. 
I just thank you for what you're about to do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. I wanted to come out here all lighthearted and fun, but, you know, we just have to go with what God wants to do, right? It's a powerful thing to be in the presence of the Lord, and I know I need this each and every day of my life. For those of you that are new, my name is Pastor Joey. I'm glad that you're here today, and I just want to kind of catch you up to speed. We're now in a, a teaching series. We like to do this from, from time to time over the course of several weeks, go through different subjects and tie them together with a theme. And so our teaching series this week is, is called Eat the Meat. This is talking about spiritual growth, right? Just as we wouldn't expect a child to remain a child for his entire life, the same is true for the believer, that God's expectation for us is that once we become born again, like Jesus described, to place our faith and trust in Jesus, that we don't just stay stuck in that baby stage, that we continue to follow him and grow in our faith, in our knowledge and understanding and intimacy with the Lord. And so we're calling this series Eat the Meat to encourage us as believers to not stay stuck, but to begin to desire and even pursue spiritual growth in our lives. And uh, last week we set the foundation or some a- answered and discussed some very pivotal and important questions about um, our faith. And we set the foundation for what is necessary for going deeper, for moving from milk to meat. And we began to unpack who God is. And so this week we're going to kind of dive a little deeper into who God is. One of the fundamental beliefs uh, about God for Christians, whether you're a Christian in America or in South America, one of the fundamental belief systems or belief ideas or structures about God is that God exists in what is called a trinity. Now, the word trinity is not found anywhere in the Bible. And so some people are like, well, is the trinity real? I mean, I don't see it in the scripture. Well, the Trinity was a term that was first used, historians say, by a man named Tertullian. He was an early church father around year 155 to 220 AD. Tertullian was discipled by the actual disciples of Jesus Christ. And he came up with this word Trinity as a way to describe the relationship of what I would call the divine family or what others call the Godhead referring to who God is in an attempt to identify, to name, and communicate what the Bible teaches as to the what and the who of God. If you didn't know, God is like this big God, right? He's very difficult to understand, which is good, because if my simple mind could understand the depth of who God was, he wouldn't be that big of a God. He wouldn't be that great and that mighty of a God. His, his ways are higher. His thoughts are beyond anything we could even comprehend in our simple little minds. And so as humans, we have to try to label or describe things that we do know and understand about God. And so this word Trinity was developed to create a, a, a kind of a description of God. Now, in the year 325 A.D., there was a council of church leaders in uh, Nicaea uh, that gathered together for the Council of Nicaea to discuss these things, the doctrines and belief systems, and, and try to put down on paper really exactly what is the Trinity and some other foundational beliefs of the Christian church. And so the Nicaean Creed that came out of that council says this. It says, We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of the heaven and earth, 
of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made, and for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. He was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets, and we believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen. That is the Nicene Creed. Kind of sets the foundation for what Christians believe that set us apart from other world religions. Uh, A few years later, in 390 AD, uh, the Apostles' Creed was developed, and it's a truncated version of the Nicene Creed, which states this simply I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, and our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried. He descended to the dead. These two creeds, these these simple statements of faith, were developed to describe the foundational beliefs of Christians. And you can hear either one of these, really, uh, even to this day, primarily in a Catholic Mass. If you ever attend a Catholic Mass, you would probably hear that. Uh, Mark Driscoll and Gary Brashears, in their book, Doctrine, What Christians Should Believe, they define the Trinity like this, as one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, who are each fully and equally God and eternal relationship with one another. So no matter which version you decide to use, the Nicene Creed, the Apostolic Creed, or even uh, Mark Driscoll's definition, the Trinity... The fact remains is that there is one God, one, who exists in three persons. Each is seen existing, operating according to divine wisdom and sovereignty all throughout the Scripture, from Genesis through the book of Revelation. Each person of the Trinity is God, is equally God, and is indivisible from God. You cannot have one without the other. And we're not necessarily going to go into every part of the scripture to to see where the Bible talks about this relationship to show evidence for the Trinity. But more so, we're going to take a look over the next couple weeks in the series looking at each member of the Trinity and see how they relate to us in our faith journey. See, part of the issue with going deeper with God is found right here, right at the fundamentals of who God is. Because there are three distinct persons of the Trinity, which means we should, by nature, have three distinct relationships or experiences with God. There are three aspects, three persons, three relationships we can have with God the Father and and with the Holy Spirit and with the Son. And part of what limits our understanding of who God is is that we either basically just focus on one relationship or the other. We focus on one part of the the aspect of God or trinity of God, and we don't really acknowledge or know how to interact with the other persons of God. 
It's easy to focus on Jesus Christ as our Savior because as Christians, our whole lives are what we call gospel-centric, right? Salvation alone requires that we make that confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. However, we forget as Christians often that Jesus did not do what he did alone. He did it through the power of the Holy Spirit, Every miracle, every message was done through the power of the Spirit. And what Jesus did, he did not do to glorify himself. In John chapter 14, verse 13, Jesus says, You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. So that the Son can do what? Bring glory to the Father. Everything Jesus did and does is to shine the light on his heavenly Father. You know, I always wondered as I studied the Ten Commandments and you would learn about all the different things God commanded us. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not commit adultery. There, there's one commandment in there that I always thought was kind of, kind of, kind of awkward or, or weird. God said, you must honor your father and mother. Now, that's a good thing, right? I'm a father, and so I appreciate that he slid that in there, you know, for, for my kids. That, that, that's a good broken record in my household. You need to honor your father and mother. Well, as I think about this, I always wondered, why did God, when, when you're talking about murder, you're talking about adultery, you're talking about stealing, why is father and mother in there? It seems, you know, a little more trivial than some of maybe the other ones. And I came to the conclusion that the reason why we are to honor our family, our parents, that it's a command for us, is because it is the very relationship that the son has with the father. That the son lives to honor his father. He, his relationship with God is one of honor and humbleness of mind. The son lives for the honor and glory of his father. And so we too should pattern our lives after the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6, in the King James Version, it says this. It says, children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. The word glory is also synonymous with beauty and splendor. And here the, the Solomon writing Proverbs and all the wisdom that God has given him is revealing that what determines often a family's reputation or respect the honorable reputation kids get to aspire to or live up to falls on the father many times. That the legacy of the family often is determined by the character of the father. And this is why sociologists have proven over the years that kids that grow up without a father in the home suffer emotionally and have personality and security struggles in their lives as opposed to those who grew up with a father. As well as families where the father maybe lives in the home but doesn't live up to his God-given call as father in the home also struggle with security and emotional issues. You know, I remember many times, you know, over the course of my parenthood and uh, parenting experience where my kids wanted to do the very thing that I was doing. Whether I was playing guitar and they wanted to come learn how to play guitar, I'm working on something in the house, they want me to, to let them work with me and, and, and do things with me. You know, I have this experience with my kids because I think deep down, kids want to be like their father, their dad. And I've seen people post pictures on Facebook and on social media of their kids copying their fathers because there's something innate in us that we look to dad for that 
fulfillment, that completion, that reputation, legacy, and respect. And if you think about it, what greater legacy, what greater reputation is there? What better aspiration is there for the Son of God to rise up to the honorable legacy and reputation and glory of his heavenly Father? What better reputation could Jesus ascribe to? Or what better person could he want to pattern his life after or be like other than his heavenly Father? In the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, he begins with a very specific statement in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. He tells his disciples to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. When he's teaching us as people to pray, he begins with worship, with reverence, with this burning desire for God's name to remain like no other name in his life. That name holy literally means to be set apart, to be unique, and to be consistently unique against all others. Hear Jesus by saying, pray, our Father who art in heaven, may your name be kept holy. What he's saying is that I want God's name to remain set apart in my life, that God remains the ultimate, period. Father, do not let me diminish your name for any reason. Don't let your name be diminished in my life. Don't let me elevate anything else in my life to the comparison of where you are, to be as important in my life, to be as worthy of honor as you. You are the ultimate, and you will forever be the ultimate in my life. As Jesus begins this prayer, recognizing the honor of his Father, this desire that his name would stay set apart to be holy, Jesus also does something else very unique. He includes us in the statement. He says, pray like this. He says, pray our Father. He signifies that we should see God not just as his Father, but as our Father too. And that the prayer is for us that we too would keep his name holy. That it would be set apart from every other name in our lives. That we would live for his honor and for his glory. Now, as a child, if you obey your earthly father, you honor him. You, and by honoring him, you show love and reverence for him. And Jesus patterned this before our very eyes. In Philippians chapter 2, you can read how Paul describes him as giving up his divine privileges, all of his rights, all of his opinions, and all the things that he could cling to. And he submitted himself to his heavenly father in obedience, even to death, to honor his father. And by doing so, he not only honored his father, but in turn, his father glorified him, blessed him, and honored him. And so as Jesus lives for the honor of his father, it shows us that the legacy of God is the only pursuit worth living up to. And we should pursue living up to such a legacy that we should strive to be just like our daddy. Now, here's where we need to meditate for a minute. We need to pause and let the truths that we know thus far soak in for just a minute. Last week, we talked about some fundamental things. And first and foremost, we talked about the fear of the Lord. That the fear of God is the foundation of wisdom. That God is not just a God of love, but he's also a God of judgment and wrath. 
that the Bible refers to him as an all-consuming fire. He is so fierce and so terrifying that men fell down as dead, even died just standing in his presence. God is a God to be feared. That this God, as he descended on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19, the ferocity of his presence made a whole nation of thousands tremble in fear. This is the God that we serve. This is the God who is supreme, Lord over heaven and earth. And it's the same God Jesus tells us to call Father. Paul the Apostle takes it a step further in the book of Romans. He tells us that we cry out to him, calling him Abba, which isn't formal. This is personal. This is intimate. It's translated as Daddy. Daddy. And this is why the fear of the Lord is so vital, why we start at this place where we recognize how big, how mighty, how scary God is. That must be at the foundation of our faith, because if that God is my true father. If that God is my daddy, then look out, y'all. I have nothing to fear. I have nothing to fear but him. The psalmist said in Psalm 118, verse 6, the Lord is for me. I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Those of you that are adults in this room today, think back to a time when you were kids. And those of you that are still kids, we have our high school and middle school in here. Think about times when you're at home and in the middle of the night, you all of a sudden get that eerie feeling like something's not right and you get scared. Who is it that you're praying is aware in the next room? Who is it that you look to you know, I was around the holiday season now, and the closer we get to Christmas, I started thinking about some of my favorite holiday movies. And in our house, we like the movie Elf with Will Ferrell. He's a grown man who still thinks he's a Christmas elf. It's you know, one of the funny movies we watched about a million times on, on repeat, can't get enough of it. But there's a scene in this movie where he starts to live with his parents for the first time, and he's in his room all by himself, and it's a new place, and he, he's laying in this bed, and he starts calling out, Dad! Dad, those of you that are dads, you've heard that very sound. You know what I'm talking about. Dad, and he's like, I can't go to sleep unless I get tucked in. You know, he's making a big deal about feeling secure. So he needs his father to come make him feel secure and safe. Maybe it's not at nighttime or maybe somebody who's messing with you as a kid. You know, sometimes we'd make fun of each other, we'd give each other a hard time, or somebody's starting to get bullied. Who do you think about coming to your rescue? It's dad. It's father. You know, we used to dog each other, and then whenever, you know, you couldn't, like, think of a better cut down or put down to your friend, you'd all of a sudden say, well, my dad can beat up your dad. You know, you'd pull that out. Well, my dad could beat your dad up, and if it was true, you'd walk a little taller around the neighborhood, you know? You know, you might still say that, but no, yeah, you're right. Your dad could beat up my dad. And you just like, you know, but you still kind of, you know, try to put that on. But if it was true, you would walk a little taller. You wouldn't be afraid because you knew if it came down to it, your dad's going to come to your rescue. Now, uh, my wife and I have been married uh, for almost 14 years now. And, uh, you know, when I first met my wife, you know, I met her family 
Uh, you know, they're very nice, very generous, very, very sweet people. But as I started to meet uh, my wife's friends, you know, before we got married, they, they'd start asking me, have you met her dad yet? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I met her. He's like, that guy's crazy, you know? And, and so, but I, when I met him, he's like super nice. But Greg has always been this strong guy. He, his, his biceps, and not to embarrass you, Greg, but his biceps have been bigger than my face. And everyone that I've ever met that's ever talked to him knows how bad this guy is. And I'm like, I'm considering marrying into this family. What is wrong with me? You, you know, but, but he's always been somebody that I've kind of looked to for strength. And now as I'm working out, I think my bench is getting close to, to where he's at. So I'm not feeling so scared anymore. But, uh, but he's, he's been somebody I've always looked to for strength and what it is to be a protector. And he works in our security team. So if anybody feels like getting out of line, I'm going to sick him on you. So don't, don't, don't do that. But, uh, but it's just one of those things that dad is that. He is the security. He is the protector. And when dad is home, there's a comfort and a security there when dad, then when dad isn't home. There's comfort there. And not just because dad is protector, but also because dad is disciplinarian. You know that when you get out of line, dad comes home, hell's going to break loose in the home. Right? You know, you know, there have been many nightmares and post-traumatic stress disorder that's been unleashed just by hearing the sound of the belt come out of the sheath. You know, it's like, you know, you just know when dad's mean business, something bad's going to happen. And so if dad keeps things straight at home between, you know, things that you do and between fighting, between siblings, you know what he's going to do to someone that comes in to try to mess that up. You know dad's going to be there. You know, because of how he settles the scores between siblings, anyone who threatens the prosperity or flourishing of your family is going to meet some trouble. There's no fear in finding food at the table. Why? Because dad works hard. He goes to work so that there's always something to eat. You, know, you don't wonder if there's going to be clothes in the closet to wear because dad does his best to make sure the family has everything he needs. The mere presence of dad in the home settles many fears. But you know what? Maybe you can't relate to that. Maybe you didn't have a dad growing up. Maybe you had a dad, but he was gone all the time, or he was emotionally absent, or maybe he was a drunk, and instead of being the protector of the family, he was the one threatening your family. Maybe your dad was abusive. And just the thought of dad being protector kind of makes you laugh in cynicism because he was not all what he had should been. Maybe your dad didn't work hard, so your family continually struggled. Your family was poor, and you didn't know where you were going to get your next meal day to day. If that's you here today, I know it can be hard to relate to who dad is supposed to be. But Jesus declared this in Matthew 5, 48, and I want you to listen to this. He said, but you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. You're to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. God, our Heavenly Father, is perfect. He is not just a Father. He is the definition of Father. He is the definition. He is the standard by which we measure every other dad. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we even submit more to the dis discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? This verse is not just about discipline. This is a compare and contrast, contrast verse. 
The writer of Hebrews is bringing forth this idea that even if our earthly fathers tried to do their very best, they still cannot meet up to the standard and perfection of God. They couldn't do everything right. But God is perfect. He is the definition of what a father is and should be. And thus, he is more worthy of respect than even our earthly, ever, our earthly fathers ever can be. God is the definition of father. And because God is our father, that means we have a son-daughter relationship with this perfect daddy. The relationship we have with God as a son or daughter is even defined by his very names. You can read all throughout the Old Testament, and there are different names for God, but the Bible reveals what comes with this son-daughter relationship with God. The name Adonai Jehovah reveals that the Lord is our sovereign, or the Lord our sovereign means he's in control of everything. El Elyon means the Lord most high. That means there's no one greater than him. El Olam means he's the everlasting God, which means he is not going anywhere, and he will be forever and remain forever and forever and forever. El Roy-E means the God who sees. That means he's not blind to your, to your struggles, to your frailties and your failures. He is aware of everything going on in your life. El Shaddai is the God who's sufficient for the needs of his people. Everything you need is found in your Father. Jehovah Elohim is the eternal creator. Jehovah Jireh is the Lord our provider. Jehovah Nisi is the Lord our banner. Jehovah Rofeka is the Lord our healer. Jehovah Shalom is the Lord our peace. Jehovah Sidkenu is the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Mekadishkem is the Lord our sanctifier. Jehovah Sabaoth is the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Shama is the Lord is present. And Jehovah Rohai is the Lord our shepherd. Our Father is everything we need. His names reveal who he is to me. He is my banner of protection. He is the healer of my wounds. He is the provider of my physical needs. And he is sufficient to fulfill my every emotional and spiritual need. And he doesn't just do this. He is doing it, even now. My father is my protector from others, and even from myself. He's provider. He takes care of all my needs. That God, that all-consuming fire, the all-consuming fire, the everlasting one is my daddy, and he is for me. Think about that. He is your father. He is your daddy, and he is for you. No wonder why Jesus said, don't fear what men can do to you. What threat is man when that God, that daddy, is at your side or, or for you, backing you up? That God who's the all-consuming fire. No wonder Jesus said, don't fear future decisions. Don't wonder what the future is going to hold. Don't allow circumstances to create crises in our lives. Be anxious for nothing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So says Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. If you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are God's child. 
and he is for you. God loves to bless his children. Matthew 7, 11, Jesus said, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Just like a parent loves to see the smile on their kid's face when they give them gifts, so much more does our heavenly father love to see ours. He loves to bless his children for no reason other than the fact that he just loves them with an unconditional love. You know, many of us have this ingrained idea in our heads that we have to earn God's love. We have to earn the Father's love, much like the prodigal son who said, God, you're dead to me, or Father, you're dead to me. I'm going to go live my own way. And as he lived his own way, he squandered everything that he had. He ended up destitute in all of his rebellion and sin. And then he turned and said, you know what? My people who even serve in my father's house live better than I do. So I will go serve my father as a servant and maybe work my way back up into his good graces. And the moment he came and turned the corner. The father saw him from afar off. He ran out to him. He put a robe on his shoulders. He put a ring on his finger. And he said, my son who was lost has now been found. Who is dead has now been born again. He rejoiced in that. The son didn't have to earn the love of his father. The father loved him because he was his son. Maybe some of you feel that way, that you've got to earn God's love. And that comes from your earthly dad's example, who made you feel like unless you measured up to his expectations, you would never be good enough for affection, for love, for validation. But not our God. Our God knows we'll never be good enough. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's why he is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. He takes what we could never achieve and he gives it to us freely to make us into what we could never be on our own. You know, we get lost and we get discouraged in this life because rather than fearing the Lord, we fear our circumstances. Rather than fearing the Lord, we fear the opinions of others. Rather than fearing the Lord, we fear outcomes. And we fear these things because we don't fully understand and believe who our daddy is. We don't know who our father is. And so we look within ourselves for all the answers. And all we see when we look inward is all the weakness and failure. But that's why prayer begins, according to our Lord, with our father who art in heaven. May your name be kept holy. Because we do not depend on ourselves, we depend on our daddy, who is the only one that can fulfill what we need. When we diminish his name, when we allow circumstances and situations to rise up to the level of who our God is, we diminish his name in our lives. And when we diminish who he is in our lives, we stop looking to him as the source of provision for our needs. But see, if we believe that daddy is provider, then things like tithing wouldn't even be an issue because we would recognize that God blesses our faithfulness and we will never go without because our resources come from the Father. If we believed our daddy was our banner of protection, we would not be afraid to serve in the church or for God's sakes outside of the church, the people who are far from God that don't even know that Jesus loves them, gave his life for them, and through faith in him can have everlasting life. 
If we really believed our daddy was our banner of protection, we'd have no fear to tell people about what Christ has done. We wouldn't care about the judgments of others or the criticisms of others because our daddy is the baddest dude on the block and there ain't nobody that can stand before him. If we believe this truth, if we really believe that that all-consuming fire was our heavenly father, was our daddy, we believed it with all that we are, we would never say, I could never do that. What we would proclaim is I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, that all things are possible with God. To go deeper in your relationship with God, to go from milk to meat, we need to let the Word of God change our mind and our image of God from the God whose wrath you need to appease to the daddy whose lap you crawl into on your knees. It's not about what you do. It's about who he is and who you are to him. He's not the one whose wrath we need to appease. But he is the one whose lap we can crawl into every time we get on our knees. We need to recognize how big, how mighty, how awesome God is and then make that transference to the understanding that I am unconditionally loved by him. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in all the world could ever make me not love my children. Nothing. And I would die fighting anyone trying to separate me from them. And you know what? That's exactly what God did for us. As frail as we are compared to the might of God, what security does it give you as a child of God, to know that you are loved by him. What security should it give you to know you are loved by him? John 10, 28, and 29, Jesus says, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else, and no one can snatch them from my Father's hand. This all-consuming fire, creator of the universe, judge over life and death, is holding me, and nothing is getting him to let go. Nothing. He guides us through this life as the perfect father, through blessing and discipline, and he never lets go. Have you viewed yourself today, Christian? Say you're a child of God. You say you are a follower of Jesus. How have you viewed yourself today? Have you really viewed yourself as a child of the Most High God? Do you really know what it is to be a child of that all-consuming fire? Do you realize that your daddy is the baddest dude on the block? Do you get that? There's none like him. His name is Holy. He's the one true God. 
Maybe a challenge to your spiritual journey and faith has really been insecurity and fear. You've not gone deeper in your relationship with God due to a reluctance, an insecurity, and a reluctance to step out on faith and follow God's will for your life. He's been laying different things. You know there are things you need to do, but you've just been too afraid and insecure because you've not fully realized what it means for God to be your daddy. So I have a question for you today, church. Who's your daddy? Somebody say, who's your daddy? Who is your daddy? If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then your daddy is El Elyon, the most high God. Our Father, who art in heaven, King of kings and Lord of lords. And just as Jesus found total fulfillment living for the honor of his Father, so will we. We will find full completion, purpose, and everything we need or could ever hope for in our Heavenly Father. So what is it today? What have you been neglecting in your faith journey? What have you been too scared to do? And what what has God been speaking to your heart right now? bringing to your mind that you've been putting off because of one excuse or another. Whatever it is, church, my challenge for you today is to think about who is your daddy, how big he is, how strong he is, how mighty he is, what his names reveal about who he is in your life, and then compare your fear to his greatness. Then ask yourself, if my God is that mighty, what's stopping me? from obeying what he wants me to do? What's stopping me from living for his honor and glory? What's stopping me from doing the very thing that will unleash his blessings in my life? The answer will be the same for everyone in this room. The answer is nothing. Nothing's stopping you. Scripture says if God is for you, then what can be against you? The answer is nothing. The only thing getting in the way of doing what God wants you to do and doing what God wants you to do, guess what, is you. That's it. Choose today to take a step of faith. Maybe you're here today and you know you need to surrender to go into the ministry. God's been calling you into service. He's been calling you to become a leader in his church, to raise up disciples, and to, to go into the ministry in some form or fashion. Maybe you, he knows you. he's calling you to be a missionary, to take the gospel to a foreign nation, to people who have not even heard of Jesus Christ. You need to stop being afraid of circumstance and start remembering who your daddy is. Maybe there's a vice something you've been struggling with in your life that you've just been too afraid to lay down, you need to stop being afraid of circumstance and start remembering who your daddy is. Maybe you've been disobedient with your finances and you've not been trusting God to provide for your every need. You need to stop being afraid of the economy and start trusting in how big your daddy is. Maybe you've been too afraid to tell your neighbor about Jesus Christ your coworkers, your family who you know are vehemently against faith and religion and Christianity, you need to stop being afraid and trust in how big your daddy is. 
whatever it is, you make the decision today to walk in obedience, to live for the honor and glory of your Father, knowing that the all-consuming fire is ready and willing and able to take care of all your needs because he has promised to go before you and never leave you or forsake you. Let's bow our heads in this moment today as we go to respond to the Lord in prayer. So we go into a time of response. We're getting ready to enter the time where the church responds to the message of God. We will also open the front for testimonies, those that have had God do miracles and, and do some amazing things in your life this week, or maybe the last couple weeks. You need to come and share what God's doing to encourage the faith in the church. Maybe that's what you're afraid of. You're afraid to give a testimony. Quit thinking about the fear and start thinking about how mighty and how big and how strong your God is. It's time we as the church obey God and live for his honor and glory. But maybe you're here today and you don't know that you have a relationship with God. You don't know that you're his child because there's never been a time in your life where you said, Father, be my father. I trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Right here where you are, right now with me, you can pray a prayer that's going to fundamentally transform your life. Right here, right where you are, just pray this with me. From your heart to the Lord. Scripture says if you confess Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart, God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be born again. Right here, you can pray this with me. You can say, Father in heaven, right now, just right where you are, say, Father in heaven, I know I've sinned against you. Forgive me of all my sin. I trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe in his death and resurrection. Give me the power now to become a son or daughter of God. I trust in you and will follow you all my days in the name of Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you prayed that prayer, I just want to pray for you. Would you slip your hand up and say, Joey, I prayed that prayer today. I took that step of faith. I asked God to be my father today by trusting in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing here in this room, God. And I look forward now to, as the church responds, to step out on faith. Those that are ready to stop being afraid of circumstance. Those are ready to stop living in disobedience for fear of the economy. Those that are ready to stop holding back the very thing you've been calling them to do because of diminishing your name and elevating what they're afraid of. God, I just pray now your spirit would unleash in the room. You'd fill people with boldness to come forward, to crawl into your lap on their knees, confess those things to you, God, and then stand as a child of God, knowing that you are for them. I pray for those that are going to give testimony today, God, that their words would pierce our hearts and encourage us to live for your honor and glory. This we pray in Jesus' name.